the Revolutionary War uh, actually occurred in 42 of our 46 counties. And so we've identified an ambition to preserve and interpret uh, 79 sites, principal sites, um, as well as uh, through the uh, auspices of the Liberty Trail app, um, we'll connect people to more than 600 what we call related sites. And that could be extant churches, uh, cemeteries, um, monuments, uh, everything related to the American Revolution. You are listening to History Man, the platform for historians, curators, and authors to tell their stories of the American Revolution. Walk in the footsteps of heroes and proclaim freedom reigns. On today's episode, we are very fortunate to have Doug Bostick, CEO of the South Carolina Battleground Trust. So welcome, Doug. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Doug, you are the author of 26 books, and it is a wide variety of books, ranging from the Rev War to the Civil War, Lighthouses and Cookbooks. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, there are a lot of things that fascinate me. Uh, although I have to say most all, well, everything that I've written is uh, Southern history. I'm pretty sure there is history in places like Ohio and New York, but I don't know it. So uh, I, I pretty well stick to the South and mostly South Carolina. Well, you are very well known in the South, especially when it comes to the Revolutionary War. That's, uh, that's actually in these venues or these uh, reenactments or these... Uh, gathering, so to speak, of historians here in South Carolina, you are a, uh, one of the namesakes that comes up over and over and over again, and, and I have heard you speak before, and, and I thank you for your work. Uh, I know our listeners are going to be enthralled by listening to uh, what you have to, to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about uh, one of the projects that you're working on right now. We were founded 30 years ago. Our principal job is to preserve battlefields and historic military sites within the state of South Carolina. And, and we preserve Yemassee war sites, Civil War sites, uh, Revolutionary War sites. But our big project uh, at the moment, and will be for some time, is the Liberty Trail. And it's a connected network, a driving trail of Revolutionary War sites across the entire state of South Carolina. Uh, the Revolutionary War, unlike the Civil War, that was mostly limited to the coast until Sherman marched through to get to North Carolina. The Revolutionary War uh, actually occurred in 42 of our 46 counties. And so we've identified an ambition to preserve and interpret uh, 79 sites, principal sites, um, as well as uh, through the uh, auspices of the Liberty Trail app, um, will connect people to more than 600 what we call related sites. And that could be extant churches, uh, cemeteries, um, monuments, uh, everything related to the American Revolution. But the core of it are 79 battlefields in our state. It's interesting, uh, when I know that the Liberty Trail has been a hot topic of conversation among, among the historians in South Carolina for the last few years. Uh, some of the sites that y'all have identified at first have kind of rolled off and others have rolled on. How do you uh, put those into different uh, categories? Well, let me say, in a state in which there were more than 250 battles and skirmishes, 
get whittling it down to 79 was no small effort. Uh, we, we put a room together of historians and archaeologists and just beat that up hard over a, a weekend to come up with that list. And so our ambition is to make the Liberty Trail sites that are publicly accessible. And if you see the map of, we have 30 sites currently that are public accessible, um, but our ambition are the 79 sites. And so if a site, if we cannot preserve a site or make it accessible to the public, it'll eventually come off of the Liberty Trail. There's no need to talk about it if you can't go there. We're big believers that it's not just something to read about or, or be aware of. Um, it's a different experience to walk on the ground where these momentous things happened. And so if we can't make a site accessible to the public, eventually it'll come off of the trail and others have come onto the trail. You know, as people have called and made a case for, you know, what about my battle, you know, in, in my county? It's a really important thing. And so as we have sites come off, we'll put other sites on. So this is a driving trail, not a walking trail. No, it covers the whole state of South Carolina from ocean to mountains. Uh, so you, you couldn't walk it if you had to. Uh, so yeah, it's a driving trail. So the app that you're talking about, how could our listeners get a hold of that app? You can find it um, uh, through uh, Google Play or Apple Store. Um, and it's a free downloadable app uh, for smartphones and tablets. Uh, there's also a partner website that you can find that you can look at on computer. And, um, and the app will guide you so when you get to, let's say, the Battle of Hanging Rock, the app will take you through six or seven stops within that battle that tells the elements of how that battle unfolded. And, and so we're engineering that for all of the stops on the Liberty Trail right now. And eventually all 79 will be on the app. Then what the app's also going to do is say, if you're at the Battle of Hanging the Rock, here are 10 sites nearby that might be of interest to you. Or if you're wherever you are, um, you know, here's a church that might interest you. Here's a cemetery that has Patriot graves in it. Um, and, and even down to, remarkably, um, we'll make recommendations for places to eat. Uh, and so my wife used to ask me, uh, well, I've been buying land in Utahville for about six years, part of the Battle of Utah Springs. And finally my wife said, why do you only go negotiate properties on Friday in Utahville? And I had to finally tell her that Sweatman's Barbecue is only open on Friday and Saturday. So, you know, I mean, everywhere, whether if you're in Rhode Island or you're in Florida, everybody's got a Wendy's and an Arby's and so forth. But we want people to understand the culture of South Carolina along with the history of South Carolina. So we want you to go to Sweatman's Barbecue. We want you to go to Cooper's Country Store in Salter. Um, we want you to go to these out of the way, pretty cool places to be. And so if you're gonna be visiting battlefields, you gotta eat. And so why not add that to the template? How long have you been doing this? Seven years now. And um, seven years working on the Liberty Trail. Right. Um, I've been I've been working with the Battleground Trust for 14 years. I see, I see. So, what is maybe a story that just you hold near and dear to your heart about the Revolutionary War? Well, you know, there's a lot of them, and um, certainly anything related to Francis Marion really intrigues me. Um, a lot of people don't know the fact that there are more 
places and things named for Marion in the United States than any other American except George Washington. And I'm talking about parks, counties, towns, more for Marion except for George Washington than anybody else. Why is it? I think that um, in part it's just that even in South Carolina, we maybe don't really realize how widespread Marion's lore is. Um, but Marion was a popular figure for people to write about. Uh, there was a prolific novelist in the uh, 19th century named William Gilmore Sims that wrote about Marion uh, a couple of times. And, um, and his novels were extremely popular. And then when you get into the uh, 1960s, then Disney does its show, The Swamp Fox. I watched it when I was a kid. We couldn't wait for Sunday night to happen, and we'd be on the living room floor waiting for The Swamp Fox to come on. Oddly enough, played by Leslie Nielsen, uh, who had a great you know, comedy movie career, but he played Francis Marion. And, and it's a Disney version, admittedly, but it, it brought people to Marion. And so a lot of the stories of Marion and the sweet potato story, a painting that was done by John Blake White that hangs in the United States Capitol, um, that, the background to that story really intrigues me. Now there are several different paintings of that same, same situation. Yep. Right. And, and John Blake White, though, is the only uh, artist to have actually met Marion. Really? Yeah, John Blake White was originally from Berkeley County and he met Marion when uh, White was a child. And so he's the only person to have seen him. And that's not to say that his, his rendition of Marion is exactly right, but none of the other people that painted Marion ever met him. Um, so I, I put a lot of stock in that painting. So what was the background on that particular painting? Uh, a British soldier came in to kind of take a look at uh, Marion's camp. T tell our audience a little bit about that. Well, the, the way I tell the story, and, and uh, I, I might almost seem like the author Weems that embellishes stories a little bit, but the way I love to tell the story is that um, there was a, a British officer, a junior officer in Georgetown that was assigned the task of negotiating a prisoner exchange with Marion. And so Marion's men met him out in the country, blindfolded him, and then took a circuitous route to take this officer to Marion's camp. They got there, they did negotiate a prisoner exchange, and, um, and Marion, being a gentleman, he, he, uh, they were close to dinner time, and so Marion invited this British officer to stay for dinner. And the officer didn't want to insult Marion, so he accepted the offer, and Marion led him over to this rough, hewn wooden table with sweet potatoes on it, and that was it. And the officers reported to have said, well, surely this is not what you eat. And Marion is reported to have said, well, indeed it is, and you're fortunate because we dug more sweet potatoes than we normally find. So they had their sweet potatoes, and, and uh, they blindfold the uh, officer again, take him back to Georgetown, and he makes his report to his commanding officer. And he says, I've met with the great Marion, we've negotiated the prisoner exchange, but I'd be remiss if I didn't report several observations to you. These men live in the swamps, they're clothed in rags. They live off of roots and drink water out of the swamp. And they serve without pay, all for the sake of liberty. What chance have we against such men? And that's a storyline that is repeated through history. It is so highfalutin of a statement. Yeah. 
that you almost got to say, no, that's Hollywood writing that, right? But Hollywood doesn't write it this good. No, no. You know, a lot of people in my career of writing books, and I've been doing this for decades, a lot of people will say, Doug, have you ever thought of writing fiction? And my response always is, you can't make up better stories than real history. Why write fiction when history is so fascinating? Go learn the stories of actual history and write about that. That's fantastic. So uh, I know you spent a lot of time here recently up at Hanging Rock. Tell me a little bit about uh, the story of Hanging Rock and, and how y'all, uh, I say y'all, and I know some of our northern friends that just get a kick out of that, that I said that, but uh, uh, tell me a little bit about y'all's work, your work up there at Hanging Rock. Yeah, Hanging Rock um, a farm, a horse farm there, was actually our first acquisition on the Liberty Trail. It was a, a, I guess about a 120 acre property. Um, so we, it was on the market and um, a lot of the properties we buy are not on the market. We actually approach property owners and try to see if they'd be willing to sell their property. This particular property was already posted for sale and so we made an offer on it and were able to buy it. At the time, I normally negotiate our property deals myself personally but if a seller already has a realtor, then I'll use a realtor. And so I had my realtor contact the seller's realtor and say, we'd like to buy the property. And, but I told my realtor, try to stay low profile because we didn't want people to know that we were trying to buy up the battlefield because all of a sudden everybody would get really proud of their property. And, um, and so my realtor, Bart Jackson, he um, contacted the realtor, made the offer and, and um, and so he said, um, and, and the realtor uh, for the seller said, well, who's your client? He said, well, it's, it's private, it's a client of mine. And so we stayed under the radar on it. Then the word got out that um, Hale Goldmine, which is in Kershaw uh, County, was buying up property in, in, uh, in Heath Springs. And then I thought, oh, good Lord, I'm worried about people jacking up prices because of a battleground. If they think they're sitting on a gold mine, it's going to go crazy. So we immediately sent out a press release saying that we were trying to preserve the Battle of Hanging Rock. Today, we now have bought um, seven different parcels of land in Heath Springs and own 182 acres of the Battle of Hanging Rock. That's not the whole battlefield. We have an ambition to buy all of it, but as of yet, we've not been able to negotiate another probably 60 acres we would love to buy. I talked to Kip Carter in one of the earlier episodes, and we were talking about the battlefield, and I told him that when I first went out to Hanging Rock, my assumption was that the battle happened down around the creek, around the actual Hanging Rock. He was quick to point out that no, it happened up on the roadway, and uh, that was based on archaeological finds. Right. This battlefield property that you're buying up, is that also tied to the archaeological evidence that you have out there? It is. We, we um, make a point. We never buy property if we have not done the archaeology. And that is that it's hard enough to raise money to buy the, the amount, to raise enough money to buy the land that we would love to preserve. So we don't want to buy the wrong land. And... Um, you know, and, and uh, no offense to my good friends at state parks, because they do a magnificent job and have a number of state parks that are Revolutionary War battlefields. But when state parks acquired the land at the actual formation called the Hanging Rock, if, and, and they first named it the Battle of Hanging Rock State Park, but if you know the story of the battle, it's Sumter and, and militia 
attacking three British camps that were all close to each other. So where the actual rock is located, it'd be impossible to have a camp there. The terrain is too steep, it's too rocky. And so the, the battle did occur on the highway, on both sides of the highway. Uh, and it's a fascinating battle. And it's a militia battle uh, led by Thomas Sumter. There were actually two battles there. Yep. And it included uh, some, some great figures in history, a, form, a, a future governor of North Carolina. Right? Yep. And uh, a future president from South Carolina was there. And uh, so, and certainly Sumter was there along with, uh, was James Williams there? Williams died, was there. Died at Kings yeah. Mountain, was the hero at Kings Mountain. Yep. So we had all sorts of, we have the Catawba there, the Catawba Nation. So uh, it is an interesting battle from uh, the Piedmont area of South Carolina going up into North Carolina and uh, really kind of pushed back right before the Battle of Camden occurred. Yeah, and in that first property we bought is the rock called Shelter Rock, which is reported to be the place where young Andrew Jackson held the horses for the officers while they were engaged in the battle. So we were it, delighted to save that down spot. In the gully there, no, it, it actually that rock is right up on the highway. Okay. Yeah, right, right close enough. to the road. Okay. I know that there was a militia uh, ground on the way to Hanging Rock where they stopped and made some final plans or whatever. How far is that part of the battleground, or is uh, how far away from there was that? Yeah, the the uh, place where they assembled is I would guess maybe as much as two miles away okay. um, and that's not in the property that we've been able to preserve that actually is part of the town of Heath Springs okay. um, right now and uh, but but it's important to know in any battle um, you always want to know the points of approach and the points of withdrawal and so um, Kip Carter uh, he ought to be named uh, the godfather of the Battle of Hanging Rock because he knows it all and uh, he's been a great friend and helped to us in acquisitions of these sites. It, it, it's very interesting. Now, that particular battle, is that on the Great Wagon Road? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, few people realize that the Great Wagon Road, while it carries different names in different communities, you can start in Monk's Corner and follow that road all the way through Camden, up into Lancaster County, and eventually into Pennsylvania. Tell me about the Liberty Trail. Aren't there several different uh, want to call phases, but are there different groupings of the trail or did there used to be different groupings of the trail? Tell me how that's broken up. Yeah, initially we, we thought that maybe the Liberty Trail would best be organized in four trails right. that were geographically organized and, and we got to the realization that that was, was uh, something that we were forcing out of an intuition that we thought would be a way to organize this. Really, the Liberty Trail is, is not organized geographically nor by timeline. It's just a, an accumulation of important battle sites spread across the state. So when we were forming the idea of the Liberty Trail, we said, well, let's do a Cornwallis Trail within the Liberty Trail. Let's do a Tarleton Trail. Let's do a Sumter Trail, a Marion Trail. But it would look like dropping a plate of spaghetti on the table. I mean, they're just, you know, everybody's all over the place. And so we eventually just made it the Liberty Trail, one big trail. It's interesting when you go to Jack Parker's book and you start reading the, the different engagements, skirmishes, battles that happened in each individual county. And if you started plotting that out, 
it is hard. I mean, that, that, that just to coalesce all that information into something that people can can uh, follow along, it really it, it's a tough process with so many things happening in South Carolina. Yeah, wars don't uh, conveniently organize themselves sequentially, and uh, the Revolutionary War in South Carolina certainly has not. Uh, you know, it it. it um, I mean, it erupts on the coast in 1775, 1776 with the Battle of Fort Sullivan, but then tries to move inland. There are things happening at 96. There are things happening in the backcountry, then comes back to the coast. Charleston does finally fall, then it moves to the backcountry, and then it eventually comes all the way back to the coast again. So, you know, like I said, it, it covers 42 of our 46 counties. And I'm not so sure that somebody didn't shoot somebody in the other four counties. So uh, it's, a, it's a complicated but widespread story. But that's what's really cool about it because no matter where you live in South Carolina, you own a piece of the story of the American Revolution and how that war was won in South Carolina. And it's a, pro a point of pride and should be for every community. Uh, just that, uh, just uh point of reference here. We're talking about South Carolina and you have to stay within that focus because that's that's what you do, South Carolina. Yep. But uh, if you go and you start getting into the history, you realize that it's not just limited to South Carolina people. We have Maryland people, we have Delaware people, we have Virginians, we have North Carolina coming coming back and forth up through South Carolina to take on these major we have Georgia, right? Yep. Uh, so it is not limited to just South Carolinians. And, and, and nor are the battles of themselves. Kings Mountain, you see them coming from all over the place. Battle of Camden, you see them coming from all over the sure. place. Sure. So, uh, how, how do you connect these South, the South Carolina Liberty Trail? Are you able to connect? Is that part of your purview to connect these to the other states? It is, and, um, and we tell the stories of these other, um, you know, the Continental Line and militia groups from other colonies uh, we tell those stories with great pride. And, and I'll tell you too, and, and few people know this, uh, they're becoming increasingly aware of it as we tell the story, but uh, the Marylanders in particular were so smitten by their service in South Carolina that after the war, when they go back to Maryland and John Edgar Howard eventually becomes governor, places and streets in Baltimore, historic Baltimore, are getting renamed after locations in South Carolina. And so if you were to go to a Baltimore Orioles baseball game, you have to walk down Utah Street to get to Camden Yards. So Utah Street coming from the Battle of Utah Springs, Camden Yards named after a warehouse that was called Camden Yards that was named for the Battle of Camden, both in really important big battles in which the Maryland Continental Line served with great distinction. What would you want people to take uh, away from their time here in South Carolina if they were to visit, especially in regards to the Revolutionary War? The founding story of our country certainly happened across all the colonies, but what swung the war was the Southern Campaign, and those were the engagements in Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. And a big percentage of that, the biggest percentage of that happened in South Carolina. And so studying the Liberty Trail, understanding these battles is an opportunity to reconnect with the founding story of America. 
and I and I think that's no small deal. Um, if if people understand uh, men like Francis Marion and, and Nathaniel Green and Thomas Sumter and Andrew Pickens, and what they accomplished, uh, there's a great quote that I love by Moultrie, and I'm and I'm not going to recall it exactly right, but the essence of it is that. He's saying in his memoirs that at the beginning of the war that we faced the greatest army and navy in the history of civilized world in the British army and navy. And we, and we decided to face off with Great Britain having no army, no generals, no admirals, no war fleet, not many weapons, and no money. Yet we dared to face the greatest nation in the world. Why did they do that, Doug? You know, I think it was the, it's just the basic issue of self-determination. Um, everybody wants to govern themselves. And, and that's the core story of the American Revolution is, you know, I mean, the cliche of taxation without representation. We did not have representation in Parliament, yet England was having to finance a lot of its ambition around the entire world off of the colonies, you know, by benefiting off of cotton and rice and indigo, the things that were happening in the colonies. And, and people just resisted that. At the outset, I think most people were happy to be part of, of Great Britain, but without representation, that just became such a touch point that I think that's really what led us to the war. I've got to ask you this, then, Doug, and I've asked this on several occasions to other people that have sat down with me. What does freedom mean to you? Well, it's interesting. I, I don't really use the word freedom. Okay. I use the word liberty. Okay. I think the objective was we wanted liberty from Great Britain. The reason I don't use the word freedom is you can't look back at history through 21st century eyes, but the American Revolution, winning the American Revolution, did not free all Americans. There still was an enslaved population here. And so I think using the word freedom as a pothole we don't want to step in. It took us a while to figure out we don't want or need an enslaved population yet plenty of enslaved and free black Americans fought for the cause of liberty. Um, but liberty to me means self-determination, as I said. You know, it's, it's no small irony that today probably our greatest ally is Great Britain. Um, but it's because we're so closely aligned. Uh, if you look at before the revolution, most of South Carolina's young men that were highly educated were educated in London. Uh, and in fact, if you look at all the colonists that were educated in London prior to the revolution, of all the colonies, 42% of them were South Carolinians. All the other colonies sent men to London to be educated, but not in the numbers that South Carolina did. And so, you know, at the outset of the war, I think the thought of separating from England was a very uncomfortable thing, but then it just caught fire. Well, very good. So how would people get involved with your organization? We're a membership organization, so we would love for people to become members. We also have major donors that are very kind to help us finance the acquisition of these important battlefields so that we can save them. We have volunteers. Uh, there are a host of ways you can connect with the Battleground Trust 
and um, and you can connect through to us through our website. And what's your website? It's scbattlegroundtrust.org. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Doug.